Asia Pacific currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Turn the wrong mic on for the first time in many, many years, Jody. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. It is Saturday, the 25th of February. The year is definitely marching on. Good morning. Good morning, Giselle. How are you? Well, thank you, and of course, you are Jody Pascoe. <laughs>、um, we're taking you through to 9:30 this morning. Thank you to Annie for another、um, packed show of union and labour movement. News earlier、uh, this morning.、Um, coming up in the second part of Asia Pacific Currents today, I、uh, spoke with Aaron Mil- Milvagner much、uh, a bit earlier today, so it's、uh, only half an hour old that interview.、Um, Aaron had to get his daughter to language school, so we had to sneak that interview in. But I speak to Aaron, who is from the Tamil Refugee Council,、um, about some of the latest updates in relation to the Albanese government and the seemingly、um, abolition of temporary protection visas. At least that was their election promise,、um, but of course. Uh, any activist、uh, in refugee politics knows that is not、um, exactly what the announcement was last Monday. So that is the second part of the show, but of course we're going to go straight to news from around the region, and we're going to start in Cambodia, where one of the trade unions, there, a progressive trade union, is on trial、um, uh, in relation to a right to strike. On the first day of the trial of seven trade union leaders of LRSU, the Union of Naga World Hotel and Casino Workers. The presiding judge in the municipal court focused on the union's decision to take strike action. The judge and prosecutor attempted to implicate the trade union leaders in an illegal strike, ignoring the fact that LRSU members voted unanimously for strike action in a secret ballot. The judge and prosecutor also ignore the fact that LRSU gave management an additional month to resolve the dispute before taking the strike action mandated by union members. As the judge and prosecutor desperately tried to portray the strike as illegal, they threatened the fundamental basis of the right to freedom of association and the right to strike. Hundreds of trade union members and supporters wore campaign T-shirts to protest the attack on trade union rights, and the T-shirts read "Union on Trial" and "Workers' Human Rights on Trial." The next hearing is on February twenty-eight, twenty twenty-three, and of course, our long-standing friend and comrade Teb Falun U is one of the union organisers for LRSU, and that is a union that is supported by a feeder union, Aid Abroad.、Um, for those of you who are members of a feeder. All right, now we're in Indonesia, Indonesia, where union negotiation wins benefits for mothers. On the 14th of February, Indonesia's Federation of Chemical Energy Mining Oil and Gas Workers Union received facilities for mothers after a five-year-long negotiation with PT Gurda Food Putra Putri. Ah,、uh, it's Gurda Food. Sorry, I've murdered that. Now, 700 women workers can enjoy new facilities like a lactation room, breastfeeding facility, childcare centre, and special allowance. These workers were organised by the Indonesian Federation of Chemical Engineering, Mining, Oil and Gas、uh, Union. 
under their general industri- industry sector. Industrial and Union to Union provided them with union building training, which allowed them to ac- include the lactation room in the latest collective agreement. The union building project works with all industrial affiliates in Indonesia from different industry sectors to strengthen and improve collective bargaining and social dialogue. The training focuses on safety and health and maternity protection, trade union rights and other stuff. In November last year, the Indonesian Ministry of Health awarded Gudra Food for its contribution in overcoming the health crisis and strengthening health services by promoting women's reproductive health. It's a good news story from Indonesia. It is. Um, In South Korea, a controversial pro-Labor bill has passed um, because by the opposition-controlled assembly committee. On Tuesday, a parliamentary committee controlled by opposition parties passed a controversial bill restricting employers' damages suits against striking workers, despite strong objections from the ruling party and the government, as well as businesses. The National Assembly's Environment and Labor Committee passed the bill aimed at revising the Trade Union and Labor Relations Adjustment Act after members of the ruling People Power Party walked out of the meeting in protest. The main opposition, Democratic Party of Korea, holds a majority in the Labor Committee as well as the National Assembly, with backup from the minor opposition Justice Party. Following the passage of the bill at the Labor Committee, the revision moved a step closer to its final passage at a plenary assembly session later this month. The revision is designed to restrict claims for damages and provisional seizures against unionised workers for the purpose of suppressing their strikes. It also calls for guaranteeing indirectly hired workers collective bargaining rights. The ruling party has claimed that the revision will only encourage illegal illegal strikes by workers and hurt the national economy. Following Tuesday's passage, the revision will move to the Assembly's Legislation and Judiciary Committee, uh, the last stage before being put to a vote at the plenary session. There are expectations that the bill would be blocked by the Legislation Committee as it's headed by the People Power Party representative. It, however, would not mean the failure of its final passage, as in this case, opposition parties are expected to bring the bill directly to the plenary session. The bill has been nicknamed the Yellow Envelope Law after supporters of unionised Sungyong motor workers at the time delivered yellow envelopes with cash following a 2013 court ruling which ordered them to pay a combined 4.7 billion won, which is about 3.6 US million, to the company for causing losses during their 2009 strike. Uh, We're going to do a follow-up interview about that one, I think. Excellent. All right, now we're in Japan where Toyota um, accepts union demands for bigger wages for the biggest wage hike in two, deco- two decades. Toyota Motor Group, the world's biggest automaker, said on Wednesday it would accept a union demand for the biggest base salary increase in 20 years and a rise in bonus payments as Japan steps up calls for businesses to hike pay. As one of Japan's biggest employers, Toyota has long served as the bellwether of the spring labour talks, which are in full swing at major companies. Many are expected to conclude swiftly as the government seeks inflation-beating wage hikes to ease burdens on consumers. The automaker's incoming president, Kojo Sato, said the decision to accept the union's demands in full at the first round of talks was meant not just for Toyota, but also for the industry as a whole, and in the hope that it will lead to frank discussions between labour and management at each company. 
Within hours of Toyota's announcement, rival Honda Motor Group said it had agreed to union demands for a 5% pay increase. The average monthly salary rise of 12,500 yen, about $92.70 US at Honda is the biggest jump since at least 1990. Toyota and the Union Federation representing 357,000 workers, Toyota, Toyota Group workers, said the base pay rate was the biggest in two decades, though they both declined to provide the percentage increase. Toyota said its wage increase would also apply to part-time workers and senior contract workers, and it had agreed to the union's request for one-off bonus payments worth 6.7 months of wages. Takaki Sakagami, Deputy Secretary General of the Federation of All Toyota Workers Union, said the union was pleased it had been able to reach a deal with the company quickly. The pay agreement comes as the Prime Minister has stepped up calls on business leaders to accelerate wage increases, warning of a return to stagflation if pay rises fall short of the rapid increase in prices. And in the Philippines, unions have welcomed recommendations of the ILO high-level tripart mission. Since 2019, Philippine trade unions have been campaigning for the ILO high-level tripartite mission to investigate extrajudicial killings of trade unionists and other violations of freedom of association in the country. Finally, on January 23rd to 27 this year, the ILO high-level tripartite mission, consisting of representatives from Sweden, Australia and Fiji, came to the Philippines to investigate the complaints filed by trade unions on several on serious violations of freedom of association. A total of 360 cases of violations of freedom of association were brought before the ILO um, uh, high-level tripartite mission by the Philippines affiliates of the Council of Global Unions. These include 16 cases of extrajudicial killings of trade unionists, two cases of forced disappearances, 68 cases of arrest and detention, 90 cases of state interference with the right to self-organisation through threats, harassment and intimidation and forced disaffiliation, and 58 cases of red or terrorist tagging. After talking with trade unions, government authorities and employers groups in the country, the ILO HLTM underscored in its initial findings that very little was done by the government to implement the ILO convention since uh, 20. 2009, 2017 and 2019, as indicated by the severe and long-standing cases of extrajudicial killings. The mission also observed that tripartite mechanisms and monitoring bodies are weak and underfunded. The mission recommended that a presidential committee for freedom of association be created to handle all cases of killings and violations of rights. It also echoed other recommendations from the workers' group, such as the review of the anti-insurgency program to ensure that its implementation does not violate the freedom of association rules, the enactment of legislation such as the security of tenure for public and private sectors and the end to red tagging. The ILO has set a deadline for the Philippine government to act on the recommendations and report on the progress before the International Labor Conference this coming June 2023. Trade unions in the Philippines expressed optimism over the mission's concrete and specific recommendations and vowed to stay united to ensure that the recommendations are enforced. Um, Though with the Marcos government in the Philippines, it's not clear to me anyway that these recommendations or that any action will be taken. No, that's right. 
All right, now back home in Australia where the Fair Work Commission has ruled that a 15% pay rise for aged care workers needs to be introduced in one hit from July this year, rebuking the federal government's plan to split the increase over two years. Unions representing aged care workers have praised the move as well as the Commission's move to extend the pay rise to a larger range of professionals within the industry. But we'll continue pushing for even larger wage increases as they warn of widespread resignations as staff seek better paying jobs. In a decision published late on Tuesday afternoon, the Commission said the 15% interim increase it had previously ruled it had previously ruled on should take effect from the 30th of June 2023. It also ruled the pay rise should apply to more people working in aged care than previously decided, and the Health Services Union and others backing the extension to include personal care workers, recreation officers and chefs. The, work, the Fair Work Commission last November announced an interim decision to increase aged care pay by 15%, accepting the workforce has been historically undervalued because of gender-based reasons. Unions had sought a 25% increase after recommendations from, age, from the Aged Care Royal Commission, which found low pay was contributing to short staff sh- shortages. In December, the government was heavily criticised by unions and the coalition opposition for announcing an intention to split the 15% pay rise over two years, 10% in 2023 and 5% more in 2024. The aged care minister, Annika Wells, blamed the decision on the government facing significant fiscal challenges. As recently as this month, the health minister, Mark Butler, had backed the plan, saying it struck the right balance. The government will now consider whether it will meet the Commission's ruling and implement the pay rise all at once. There is another phase of the Fair Work Commission's decisions to come, with the potential for the 15% increase to further increase. It's 14 minutes, 15 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That was the news from around the region. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview for the morning. Bikers Against Child Abuse. Backer exists to create a safer environment for abused children. We exist as a body of bikers to empower children to not feel afraid of the world in which they live. We stand ready to lend support to our wounded friends by involving them with an established United organisation. If you would like to know more about Backer, please visit our website at bacaworld.org or call 1-800-692-222. A 3CR supporter. Interested in real community resistance to extractivism around the globe? Beehive Design Collective's Art of Resistance World Tour from Turtle Island, Canada brings us complex political discourse in March through stories, murals, music and more. Join Liz Downs from the Rainforest Action Group for insights from her recent trip to Ecuador where indigenous and peasant groups are fighting back against big mining and how their wins can inspire the global movement. March the 2nd at Black Spark, Northcote, starting 6pm and followed by live tunes and panel discussion. Entry free or by donation. More info at AidWatch or Melbourne Rainforest Action Group on Facebook. To me, lover, I've secrets to tell. Hi, we're Dash. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great 
That's right. You are listening to 3CR and this is Asia Pacific Currents with Jodie and Giselle. Coming up next is our feature interview with Aaron Mulvaganam. He's from the Tamil Refugee Council and we're talking about the recent announcements by the um, Albanese Labor government in relation to TPV, temporary protection visas uh, and the CHEV visas uh, and whether this is actually a progressive thing or not. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks so much for joining me on the program this morning. Of course, a lot is being made about uh, the new Albanese government's progressive stance on uh, refugees. Of course, you know, many of us refugee activists um, are still dubious about this uh, new designation of them being progressive on refugees. But let's talk about um, some, of, some of the progressive things they've done. Let's, let's start by um, looking at what their new announcement is about temporary protection visa holders and uh, making way for the abolition of that. Yeah, so last Monday, the, the Labor Party announced, Labor government announced that uh, more than 19,500 refugees on temporary protection visas and CHEV visas will be allowed to apply for permanent resolution of status visas. Uh, these refugees came to Australia when Labor was last in power in mid-2013 or, or before that. Um, 2011, 2012, and all that, uh, and and they will now they are now able to rebuild their lives, get decent jobs, study travel, uh, you know, have study rights and travel rights, um, uh, reunite with uh, family uh, members. So it's a massive relief for these 19,500 uh, uh, refugees. Um, however, this. Uh, announcement um, excludes more than 12,000 refugees who came by port and also tens of thousands of others uh, who came here on tourist visas and and, and, uh, put protection uh, claims. Now, a lot of people are celebrating this as Labour Party fulfilling its election promise. They actually haven't fulfilled their election promise around refugees completely yet. Uh, while they have uh, you know, allowed these 19,500 refugees to apply for permanent visas, they haven't yet abolished TPVs and CHEV visas. Uh, the Immigration Assessment Authority, which has been ruthless in assessing asylum applications, uh, it continues to exist. Labour Party promised that they will abolish that. Um, you know, uh, many refugees, um, like in the case of Tamils, for example, 93% of the uh, percent of their claims are rejected by this uh, authority. Uh, and the fast track uh, system continues to exist. Uh, so this is not fulfilling their election promise. But you know. Even during the election campaign, they maintain that they will continue to uh, manage the Operation Sovereign Borders. Um, Operation Sovereign Borders is where refugees fleeing from wars uh, come to Australia and on the high seas they will be picked up and handed over to uh, whoever they fled from. Um, that, you know, that's Labor Party's policy. Uh, and recently uh, they paid $400 million 
to a private company to keep Nauru as an offshore detention center. Um, so, you know, this, um, yeah, this Monday's announcement, there's nothing progressive about it. I mean, we knew that the Labour Party was going to grant these 19,500 refugees permanent protection visas, but it was uh, a heartbreaking news for those who were waiting for some good news uh, from the Labour government. Um, they, uh, you know, the, the, the 12,000 people I'm in touch with, so many uh, asylum seekers who are in this category, as soon as the announcement came, the only calls that came to my phone were, you know, hundreds of over 100 phone calls in, in one day. Uh, one woman had heart attack, um, you know, children refused to uh, go to school for a few days. Some factories in Dandong South that employs refugees couldn't operate because these workers um, were so heartbroken that they didn't turn up to work for three days. So, uh, so what is the situation yeah. for those workers in that case? I mean, they're clearly not a threat if they're existing in the community, if they are employed in factories, which means they're paying taxes. What is the future of these refugees in limbo? Yeah. Regardless of whether these refugees are worthy refugees or not, they should all be given permanent protection visas. They have been part of our community for more than 10 years, uh, facing uncertain future. Um, the Labor government should grant everyone uh, permanent protection visas. Last night, I had a group of uh, Malaysian uh, workers. Uh, some of them have been here for 15 years. Um, you know, they're really concerned about uh, their future as well. Um, you know, they're all on protection claims as well. We, you know, we want the Labor Party to grant these 12,000 people permanent protection visas and any others who are here, been part of the community for a very long time, uh, be given general amnesty and, uh, uh, and, and you know, give them a, a certain future. Of course, of course. I just wanted to clarify the point I made, which I made very, very badly. I was not at all suggesting that if you don't work and if you don't pay taxes, you shouldn't be entitled to be a refugee. What I, what I was trying to get at was what is the possible rationale from a Labor government preventing these people from um, being taken off these temporary protection visas, being given certainty um, for outcomes in Australia? How, do, how does Labor rationalise that? I mean, you know, it's a question for the, the Labor government, but my uh, observation is that Labor Party uh, is, uh, you know, uh, is trying to appease uh, different sections um, within, uh, within its party. Uh, and so on one hand, it's, uh, it's trying to portray itself as soft on, you know, uh, uh, on refugees. And on the other hand, they're using these 12,000 people uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, play that... Uh, a game where they're seen as hard on uh, borders. Uh, they want to inflict as much cruelty as possible on these people and, um, and anybody looking at coming to this country may, you know, it may deter them. Um, I don't know what the, the rationale uh, behind this decision. Uh, it seems like Labour Party wants to continue the game that uh, Liberals played, uh, which is inflict cruelty on those who have made it on uh, you know made it to australia so that others looking at fleeing um uh, wars uh will not choose to come to australia it's it's pretty 
uh, it's pretty, um, uh, you know, sad that, uh, you know, a Labour government um, that calls itself uh, progressive uh, goes down the path of inflicting cruelty on vulnerable people. The issue for Tamils in Sri Lanka is particularly potent given the situation in Sri Lanka at the moment. I mean, is the uh, Labor government maintaining that Sri Lanka is safe for Tamils? What do they say about that? Well, as soon as Monday's announcement came, Scott Morrison made a Facebook post uh, about the conditions uh, of Operation Sovereign Borders. And one of them was, you know, obviously uh, TPVs and Chev, Chev visas uh, should remain uh, to, for Operation Sovereign Borders. The another thing that took all of us by uh, surprise is that part of Operation Sovereign Borders is anybody who comes into the Home Affairs Ministerial uh, portfolio, the first thing that they have to do is visit Sri Lanka. Now, regardless of, you know, what happens in Sri Lanka, Australian government's uh, position under the Operation Sovereign Borders is that work with whoever is in government um, and get their cooperation, send as many Tamils and, and, and Sinhalese as well. A lot of Sinhalese are looking at fleeing the country because there's, there's a massive crackdown at the moment after the, the last year's uprising. And, uh, uh, you know, Labour Party is basically, Labour government is trying to hand these people over to, uh, to, to their murderers. You know, it, there is no change in Australia's attitude towards the Sri Lankan regime, regardless of uh, what sort of uh, human rights abuses they're engaged in. Quite extraordinary. There, there are um, a few demonstrations coming up in support of the remaining people on TPVs and in general for open borders. Can you tell us about some of those upcoming events? Yeah, well, firstly, a quick update about last Sunday's rally. Uh, we had a snap action outside uh, Andrew, Immigration Minister Andrew Giles' uh, office. We had over 200 people turned up. Uh, it was... Uh, largely attended by uh, Tamil refugees, um, and uh, but people were really angry. Uh, they feel massively let down by the the Labour government, and, and uh, you know these people uh, are organising. Uh, they uh, you know they can't put up with uh, you know uh, being in this uncertain uh, future. Uh, so people are organising. There is going to be a rally in Canberra. Uh, on 6th of March, uh, which um, uh, which is going to be attended by hundreds of refugees uh, from all backgrounds. And then we have the Palm Sunday rally, um, which will be attracting uh, lots of uh, refugees as well. Um, we have the, the Marxism conference where there will be a panel of uh, refugee speakers. Uh, and, and today uh, we're having a rally uh, in Sunshine, against the far right, um, uh, but it'll also uh, be on the, you know, the key messages that we want to welcome refugees and uh, migrants, and, and quite a few refugees have agreed to come to, uh, to this rally as well. Uh, they're fighting back. Uh, we should all stand in solidarity with them. Amazing. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Oh,
Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. That was Aaron Malvaganam from the Tamil Refugee Council speaking about uh, the Labor government's current position on refugees. And that does bring us to the end of the show, Jody. Yes, for another week. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned to 3CR for today and the rest of the weekend. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered.